We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready. Martin Palomo joins me today from somewhere in Florida. I think he's at some sort of a convention or something. Which we'll get the latest on that in a moment. Uh, we'll talk about a number of things. The debt ceiling story that isn't really going away. And uh, breaking news here this Thursday, May the 18th. In the Wall Street Journal, it says home prices posted largest annual drop in more than 11 years in April. So we'll talk about that a little bit as well. This will be a short show because Martin's on a really tight schedule, so we'll get to it. I'll tell you first, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call Corey, get a quote on the Ford product that you're looking for. You can use it as a gauge elsewhere. Might go waste his time. Or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today uh, great product, great service. The people at Clark Ford want to be your car guy. They want to be your truck guy. They'll prove to you what that means when you make the call. 662-257-1900. And Martin, uh, before we get rolling, please tell the people what's going on at Pinnacle and how they can get in touch with you guys. Yeah. Uh, man, we've got uh, hitting the kind of the summer months um, at Pinnacle, which uh, which does kind of slow down a little bit for us. It's, it's kind of crazy. My... Uh, my conference season kind of picks up a little bit in the summer. Um, you know, a lot of my clients, school's getting out. They're doing trips with kids. So a lot of folks are a little more focused on family, uh, which gives me time to really dig in, um, you know, and learn more and study and and continue to grow, you know, our practice and get better. So that's kind of, man, that's kind of the phase that we're, we're hitting right now. Um, you know, we still have folks that want to, occasionally folks that want to talk about stuff over the summer. So uh, I guess I'll say this, if it's kind of been a wild ride this last year, uh, beginning of this year, looking a little bit better um, than, than in the past uh, 12 months or the, our last year. Um, so if you've been kind of doing it alone or, or you don't know if you're on track or have a plan for, uh, for what you're doing. Yeah. That's one area that we can, we can help folks with. And, you know, a lot of times when we meet with folks, we're, 
we're giving them solutions to questions that they don't know that they need to be asking. So, um, you know, summertime's a good month for us to, to meet new people and talk to new people. So uh, if, if what I said kind of describes you, give us a call, 601-957-0323, um, or you can uh, email us at info at myeinnwealth.com. All right, let's start with debt ceiling, because this is a story that I think a lot of people, and maybe rightly, Martin, assume will just work out, right? We've been here before. It'll just work out. It's going to be okay. And no one really pays a lot of attention to it. It's complicated. It's convoluted. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's pretty heady if you, if you really try to dive into it. And, and then, you know, the, the, some of the doomsday scenarios that, that get tossed around, I don't think people take them seriously. And, and again, perhaps rightfully so. So I'll, I'll shake it up a little bit here. I'll read from the Washington Post, which is uh, not my favorite newspaper. This is Tony Rahm of the Washington Post. Some people that I've been accused of only using conservative outlets, which is now. Though <laughs> um, I didn't know the Wall Street Journal was considered a conservative outlet, but the Washington Post damn sure isn't. So here we go. The first time Senator Brian Schatz, Democrat from Hawaii, tried to abolish the debt limit, he pleaded with lawmakers to stop these attempts to govern through threats that put the economy at risk. That was in 2017, the same year that a Republican revolt brought the United States within weeks of a catastrophic default. But Congress did nothing to fix the underlying problem that September, nor when he and other Democrats tried again in 2019 and 2021 and just this past April even while a wave of similar fiscal standoffs roiled Washington. Now, the crisis that Schatz and other Democratic lawmakers have long labored to prevent has the country 14 days away from running out of money to pay its bills. The potential for doomsday has affirmed for some Democrats the point they've been straining to make. The debt ceiling simply shouldn't exist in the first place. I just always thought this was the stupidest thing we do, and we do a fair number of stupid things, Schatz said this week. Time and again, Democrats have tried to repeal or rethink the debt ceiling, the legal maximum that the U.S. government may borrow to pay for spending it has already approved, and each time they've encountered steep resistance. Even President Biden previously has rejected the idea, telling reporters last year that it would be irresponsible to eliminate, eliminate the cap fully. Um, so here we are, 14 days, about two weeks away from um, the deadline on this debt ceiling. It yep. is a political cudgel yep. uh, in a in a year prior to a presidential election where you have an incumbent president who has announced his intention to run for re-election going up against uh, s- some notable resistance in his own party from Robert Kennedy Jr. And then obviously... Uh, resistance from the Republicans who are uh, getting braced for their primary season as well, a, a field that at, at this point at least includes the former president, Donald Trump. So this is something that on the political scene people are watching closely. And and however this gets handled or not handled is, is obviously going to be uh, addressed in the campaign season. So what what is what are your thoughts about the idea of a debt ceiling is is it yeah. is it a stupid idea as senator schatz says here um 
No, I think in theory it's not a stupid idea because if we remove the guardrails, then it's just going to encourage stupidity. We already have a problem with overspending, you know, our budget. Um, anyway, so if we took, if we removed a debt ceiling completely, I just think that invites, um, you know, because people probably, I mean, our 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 legislators or or uh powers that be in dc will just say hey you know what we'll just we'll borrow it we'll pay it back the statistics i'm going to play devil's advocate here the statistics that kind of support that it's okay um is that our debt service is still less than two percent of our total gdp um still so very low i mean it's we are not at you know uh this risk of um, you know, of not being able to to service our debt, but um, but it doesn't invite austerity or sensible budgeting and and money management. It'll just be more waste. You know, the things that you and I talk about, we get pissed off. You know, not knowing where our cash goes, it'll just invite. Um, in my opinion, it'll invite you know more wasteful spending. So I think you know the idea of having 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 throttles or guardrails on you know our government's ability to borrow to function and pay its bills is a really good idea um this is where we have a two-party stalemate the democrats in the aftermath of of the 2022 election when uh, there was so much talk about how the democrats were going to lose the house and lose the senate and, and they did lose the house but not to the extent that that people thought that they would and they didn't right. lose the senate um the the, the democrats wanted to use their control of Congress to uh, to raise the, the, the debt ceiling so high that this wouldn't be a debate moving forward. Didn't happen. And then, um, the, like I said, the House went to the Republicans in January. And so now that's, yep. that's not going to happen. And the Democrats want to raise the ceiling or abolish the ceiling. And, and Republicans want to use the proximity to the ceiling and, and the going past the ceiling as a as a, a way of saying see we need to cut spending we need to yeah. cut we need to have massive spending cuts and hey it's gonna hurt but it's cool. kind of like going on a diet right the diet hurts i mean when you initially yeah when you when you're like hey i, I gotta lose 100 pounds it's yeah. a lot of weight and then you feel awesome yeah but at the beginning i mean you know when you get it, sucks, it yeah. sucks i mean for for a while and 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 the republicans are saying hey we need to lose a lot of weight. And the Democrats are like, you know what? Let's just get some stretch of your pants. It's going to be all right. <laughs> and and, and analogy. Dude. <laughs> and that's where we are. Like the Democrats yep. are like, hey, it's ice cream. It tastes good. Look, I mean, these yoga pants, they just stretch and stretch and stretch. stretch. Let's just <laughs> let's just keep going. And and the and the Republicans are like, no, no. Nope, we need to get back into our big boy pants with the belt and everything, and it's going to take yeah. a minute. So let's go. And yeah, we need to wear our suit. We can't. We can't go to business meetings in you know Lululemon. Yeah, yoga pants. Yeah, we got to so put our suit back on. Our, our suit doesn't fit. We got to get back into our suit. So yeah, it does not stretch. It. <laughs> it, it it's just great we, analogy, man. We've kind of hit this point though, where there there doesn't appear to be a like in anything else. There's not a lot of yeah. middle ground here. And, no. and if and the it's, Republicans it's, it's and, 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 and and the Republicans, if they don't budge, are going to get blamed for job cuts and all that stuff. And 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 if the Republicans give in and extend it, well, they didn't do what they were sent to Washington to do. 
Yeah, it's 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 a good bit of fodder. I mean, so but let's pretend that the debt ceiling doesn't get raised uh, or or temp, even just temporarily suspended, which is another option that they can that they could do. Let's just pretend it doesn't. We hit it, you know, sometime in the next couple of weeks, early June. What probably happens, at least if I'm if I'm running the country, which I know that we joke all the time about that there are idiots in Washington, D.C., and there are a lot of idiots in Washington, D.C., but if the debt ceiling didn't get suspended, we hit it, Biden's advisors are probably going to tell him, look, dude, we are going to have to, we're going to tell all of our, you know, government contractors, hang tight, you're going to get paid, it's going to, it's going to be, you know, a couple weeks before you get paid, probably tell our defense, you know, crew, hey, um, you know, we're going to, we got a slow roll, you know, paying you guys, because those are the biggest parts of the budget too. Um, and they probably go ahead and pay the interest due on all the bonds so that we don't have a technical default. That is very likely the scenario that happens with, you know, if the debt ceiling is not suspended, it stays where it is and we hit it, uh, you know, early June. That's, that's, that's the very likely outcome. And, and that's the smart thing to do if you're Biden and for our country and for the global economy, that's the, smart thing to do if they don't negotiate a you know an adjustment of the of the debt ceiling if they can't reach a resolution if mccarthy and biden and all of these people who meet and meet and meet and after they meet they just agree to meet again if they can't reach a resolution and we hit the ceiling whenever that is what happens yeah all it means is that um is that we can't we can't continue to borrow more money to pay our bills right now, temporarily. That doesn't mean that we don't have any cash whatsoever to pay our current bills. We just can't borrow anymore to pay our bills. So then what they do is they look and they say, Hey, we got a dollar and you know, um, all of our bills that need to get paid add up to i uh, I'm going to make numbers up a dollar 25. Uh, Let's just say that the interest payments to all of our creditors, so people who own U.S. government bonds, let's just say that that's 40 cents of the dollar. Again, I'm making numbers up. I don't know that that that's accurate percentage of it. What they're probably going to say is, hey, we can't pay everybody right today. We can't pay everybody today. What we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and pay. We're going to pay our interest on our loan first. You know, we're going to keep the lights on in D.C., um, and then whatever is left over of that dollar, it might be 10 cents, 15 cents, 20 cents. We're going to start paying contractors and then we'll, or, and we'll pay, you know, some of the defense budget. And it may be that defense really was, was owed, you know, 30 cents and they're going to get 15 contractors were owed 10 cents and they're going to get a nickel. Something like that is the very, what I think would be the likelihood if they don't, you know, increase our ability to to borrow for for the bills we need to pay. Okay. And are you surprised this is a quick aside? Are you surprised Martin that that more people in our country aren't concerned not about the debt ceiling crisis but about the fact that we have this kind of debt? Do they just not understand what this means for future generations? Is it just too complicated? It's not taught, well, not taught in school. So the number is staggering. 
I mean, we can say trillion, right? But I can't even fathom, as I heard it said, if I were to, Neil, if I were to give you a dollar every second of the day, you know, nonstop, if I was a machine to just spit $1 bills out to you mm -hmm. for, you know, every second of the day, it would take me 31,000 years to pay you a trillion. Wow. Like, I, I can't. I can't By the way, if you, if you would like to give me a dollar a, a dollar a second a day <laughs> every day, I'm in. Every every day, I'm in. Yeah, I mean, me too, dude. Me too. Um, but you know, yes, it's staggering. Um, but the size of our economy is even more staggering. I mean, it's it's things I can't even comprehend. I mean, you think about just Apple, just Apple, the the business Apple is entire value is almost 3 trillion. It's like 2.7. Uh, it's like 2.7. It's, it's insane, man. I mean, I can't even, I can't even fathom these numbers. And It'd so 86,400 yes, $86, dollars a day. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'll take that. Yeah, be cool. I mean, so the the numbers are staggering when you hear them. $31.5 million dollars a year. You're welcome. Thank you, man. <laughs> My day has gotten so I, much better. I just better. made you, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm happy. Go hey, ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean well, to that's, but that's not yours. You get $31.5 but you'll probably only keep about 15 because, you know, Uncle Sam's got to get paid too. Yeah, so. I would be in a much different tax class at that point. Yeah. Uh, well, let me ask you a question. In all reality, this is just kind of shits and giggles. If you made $31 million a year and you paid 15 million taxes, are you still okay paying 15 million taxes? Or, do you, or would you say, you, would you say, hey, I've got 15 million left over? 
or would you say no um the government doesn't deserve 15 million i would say the government does not deserve 15 million i'm 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 very i'm very firm oh, on this i love it i'm very firm on this there, there there's the the country was not founded on the premise of giving the government half your money oh i agree with that it it simply wasn't this is my complaint with and I'm going to get some pushback here because there, there will be teachers out there who say, well, we do teach it this way. I, I get it. We do not teach American history to our children any longer in a realistic way. We, we, we teach this, this flowery, watered down. The American Revolution was bloody. It was ugly. It was risky as hell. And there was a reason that they believed strongly. If you, if you believe strongly enough to die for something... You're really strong. Not a lot of things I believe strongly enough to die for today. Like if someone says to me, "What are you willing to die for today?" My kids. My kids, yeah. What else? Maybe mm. on a, maybe if I'm feeling really, really good about, you know, uh, mine and Jennifer's relationship. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. die. I die for Laura. Sure, I die for Laura. I die for my kids. But but beyond family, what are you? Exclude family. What do you feel strongly? Would you die for your job? Of course not. No, no. absolutely not. Um, no, I, I don't want to die at my job either. You, you, you wouldn't die for you. You wouldn't die for your vehicle, for your house. You wouldn't. You wouldn't die. Those are things that matter to you. You wouldn't die for. Um, what would you die for? Well, I mean, what I would you? I mean, to, 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 so so. Here's my thing. I mean, people say, would you, would you die for your country? I mean, that's that's a big thing. They they did. They fought. Yes. They, they, they there was a reason for it, and you can you can go back and read about all of the things they fought for independence. They fought. Yes. They they were upset. They were upset about taxation, and so yes, no. I mean, I I look at the amount of money that I have paid in taxes in the last year, and I think it's egregious. And I'm surprised, honestly. I've, I've said this on the show. I've said this to you. I've said this to a lot of people. I am literally disappointed in Americans that. The average American is just, just doesn't care. Does doesn't care. Well, I mean, and and, and they've been they've been brainwashed into yep. and conditioned into believing that well, it's okay. It's just what we have to do. Bullshit. It's total bullshit. No, if I make thirty one million dollars, if that's what I'm worth, somehow, some way, I earned that money. Yeah. No, Look, I should. I I, 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 I mean, I, I'm you for and a, I are in the same boat. I'm you for a flat. I, I am for a flat tax. Me too. Everyone pays it. Or a consumption tax. Well, how about a flat plus consumption? I'd be okay with that, but then then the flat tax is going to have to be really low. Yeah, well, that's what I'm talking about. And and I'd be that's fine. Put a consumption tax on if if I spend. Let's say I make thirty one million dollars. Yeah, and, and I you go buy a yacht and a private airplane. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I, let's say I spend twenty five million dollars of that thirty one million dollars that year, yep. which is I can't even imagine. But let's say I do. I pay the tax on that $25 million. Yeah. But but if I say, hey, this gravy train might not last forever, and I'm making $31 million, I think I can live on $1.5, and I save $29 million plus because I want to set up my children and their children, I should be able to do that. I should be absolutely ask. able to do that. And, and, and when I pass... And they inherit that money. There should not be a capital gains tax. Let me ask a question 
since we're talking about or this, an inheritance we're talking tax. Hypothet- yeah. and we're talking about hypotheticals here. So like I know we have I know we have some listeners uh because they've they've told me they listen uh that work in the you know not for profit side of 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 the world, you know, they're they work in churches, they work in, you know, community-based organizations and they depend on um, you know, donors to uh to really to generate a lot of the cash that they need to to do what they do. If if we go to a flat tax system, it's hard for me to think that the government would say, hey, we're gonna give you a lower flat tax on consumption and we're gonna give you deductions. I think deductions probably go out with a flat tax, right? So like, let's say they had a flat tax of just 10%. I'm just making stuff up, making stuff up. 10%. I just can't, I couldn't imagine that they would say, hey, we're, we're everyone's paying 10% or 15 for that matter, 15%, 10, 15% flat. Um, and you still get to deduct, uh, you know, charitable contributions. It's hard for me to to see that they would all and and I would look look the the optimistic side of me would say hey I hope that that they would keep that you know in there but I think there's less of an incentive for the government to allow us to have deductions for charitable contributions if if we have a a flat tax system and that probably hurts that would hurt people you know I mean I'm not saying that people aren't just benevolent because but I also realize that people do gifting because they do want to gift. They have the means to, but also because it benefits them financially from a tax standpoint. Yeah. It probably creates a struggle for not-for-profits. And I'd be interested to kind of hear some of our listeners that are, that run not-for-profits kind of how they feel about, uh, you know, the tax tax code, uh, a flat tax system, what impacts that could have to their, you know, to their operations. Yeah, I would be, I would be interested as well. Um, so we talk about a lot from, you know, our side too. Uh, not to shift gears on you unless you have something else you want. No, no, to no, no. Go ahead, shift, shift gears because we, we're not, we're not, we don't have a whole lot longer with you before you got to get back to your, to your convention. What you got? Um. So. You know, one of the things we 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 talk about a lot on the show is the Fed and interest rates, and I hope that our listeners, uh, you know, have benefited from 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 hearing about, uh, you know, or at least more engaged about what's going on with the Fed, how that impacts, you know, their portfolios, and you know, folks uh, have heard me say consistently that bonds are, you know, with interest rates going up, bonds are about to be or kind of are at a place now where they're going to be productive parts of the, of the portfolio again. And, um, you know, we just had a rate hike the beginning of the month. Uh, I think it's our last one for, uh, for the year. There have been, I've heard from a couple, uh, one economist, only one that has said he could see a June, you know, uh, 25 basis point or quarter percent hike, um, but he gives it uh, like a 30% chance. So that's just not very high. I think we've got the last one in. Um, and I think 
you know, we're going to start, I think we'll hold tight, hold steady for the year. Uh, there will, there's some forecasts that we may get a cut or two at the end of the year. And the Fed has already said they'll cut in 2024. But, you know, our rate right now, the Fed fund rates at five to five and a quarter, um, which if we do get cuts next year, I bet you we probably get one, one percent, um, maybe two, if it's a, a little bit deeper recession than, than we expected. Um, but that does set up well for bond portfolios. So like, you know, folks who have either, if you haven't had a lot of bonds in your portfolio, um, and you've got uh, sitting on a lot of stock, uh, it is kind of a good time to look at the portfolio and make sure that, you know, you've got the proper amount of with your advisor um, or someone you trust. And if you don't have either of those, you can certainly give us a call. Uh, that's what we do for you on a daily basis uh, to make sure that that mix is appropriate because uh, stocks still do have a little bit of downside um, potential. Not as, not as much as it was six months ago. Um, but I think we're going to hit a period of time where, um, you know, a good blended portfolio is going to be uh, is going to be a really uh, productive and constructive, um, you know, retirement plan versus trying to time and figure out, you know, when's should I go overweight stocks? Should I go overweight bonds? Because generally also in a in a in a rate uh, a falling rate environment, stocks historically perform well in falling rate environments, too. So. Um, you know, I said all that to say, you know, I know it's summertime. I know people are slowing down to do vacations or hang out with family and kids and stuff like that, but it really is a good time. Just one more last peek at the portfolio before you go on summer. Um, you know, folks just kind of take a look and make sure um, if they need to rebalance, that they rebalance and, and get everything kind of in line. Last thing, last couple minutes here. Uh, I told you um, at the beginning that we would touch on this uh, home prices posting mm -hmm. the largest annual drop. Uh, yeah. So this is from uh, the Wall Street Journal. Nicole Friedman wrote this. Uh, sales of previously owned homes fell in April from the prior month and prices declined from a year earlier by the most in more than 11 years. U.S. existing home sales, which make up most of the housing market, fell 3.4% in April from the prior month to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 4.28 million. The National Association of Realtors said Thursday, April sales fell 23.2% from a year earlier. The national median existing home fell 1.7% in April from a year earlier to uh, home price, I should say, to $388,800, the biggest year-over-year -year price decline since January 2012. Median prices, yep. which aren't seasonally adjusted, were down 6% from a record 413800 in June. Home prices have fallen the most in the western half of the U.S. while prices continue to rise from a year earlier in eastern markets. Do you make much of this other than it's fairly predictable? Yeah, I think I think that's kind of, you know, uh, lockstep with, you know, you get rising interest rates. Um, you know, the cost of servicing a mortgage is going to go up uh, just from just from the additional interest costs. So it makes sense that prices end up going down because demand is not going to be there at the higher prices. Uh, prices will fall until it meets the that point where people are willing to pull the trigger. You know, and one of the things like, 
Neil, I don't, I don't know what you have your house refinanced at. We refinanced, um, you know, uh, I guess January of 22. Yeah. Yes. January of 22. Um, you know, we're, and we're at like three and a half. That's where we are. We're, on, we're at like three and a half. We actually thought about doing it again when they were just down at damn near zero, but <laughs> sure. We probably should have. We thought of, we even thought about putting it on the fifteen year note and you know biting that bullet, but we 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 didn't do it because we were like, well, if you do if you refinance and then for some reason in two years you're moving, you just threw money away. Yeah. Well, and also you can be on a 15 year plan without having the monthly obligation of the 15 year note. If you have a 30 year note, I mean, you can pay the additional principal. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you get a tight squeeze, like we hit recession, you get a tight squeeze and family budget and you got to go, Hey, for the next six months, we're just making the normal house note. You're not required to make that, you know, it it makes a lot of sense. But um, anyway, you know, one of the things that's going to be this, that's, I will say will be a new era for us with housing is you have so many people like you and I that, and I'm probably a lot of our listeners or most of our listeners, you know, that have their, their mortgage at, you know, under 4%. And it is going to take an act of Congress to make people, you know, sell that house. Cause they know that they are, you know, you talk about reinvestment risk. We talk about it in, uh, you know, with, with investment, with, you know, stocks and bonds all the time, but in your house, you know, if you've got a mortgage of uh, interest rate at 3.5% and you're about to refinance and or sell that house and buy a new house at, you know, at a 6% or six and a half, you know, your rate is, uh, is double and your interest payment is going to be double, which means you're probably going to buy a lesser expensive house. So you're buying less house to have the same payment. Uh, most people are just, Unless there's a divorce, a death, you know, a job relocation, like those things can will cause housing or houses to still come on the market. But like the day of, you know, me and you just being like, hey, you know what? Uh, there's a house across town we really like. I mean, I'm looking at it and I'm going. I, I told Jennifer, I was like, oh yeah, no. we're not selling until, you know, until something forces us to sell. Because she even talked about, you know, the my big kids are. Christopher's a freshman, Bella's a junior next year. She's like, you know, maybe we should downsize and get a little less house. I was like, no, because I'll have more payment on a on a smaller house. I'm not doing that. Yeah, no. I mean, we've had that conversation too, and it just doesn't make financial sense. It doesn't. Um, you know, and the house, the one thing that I, I you know, the word bubble gets thrown around a lot, um, you know, in the housing market. And I'm sure there's some areas that are bubble-like. I don't know that nationwide it is, but we still do have um, a, a shortage of, of inventory in houses. Um, so that's why we haven't seen prices drop like 25% like we saw, you know, post 2008, um, you know, recession, because there's, there's still a shortage of supply of houses on the market. And that's propping some of the price up. So it doesn't surprise me that we're down, you know, six to 10% on, um, you know, in prices nationwide, realizing that there are pockets that are, you know, up and there are pockets that are down deeply. So. All right. We'll wrap it up there. Appreciate uh, your time today. I know you're busy. Um, again, tell the people real quickly how they can get in touch with you guys at Pinnacle. 
Yeah, uh, man, old fashioned phone works great. Uh, 601-957-0323. Uh, or if you'd rather shoot us an email, uh, you can email us at info at mypinnwealth.com. Okay, for Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle. I think the plan is to be back next Thursday with another edition, but we'll, uh, if we need to adjust on the fly, we will, and we'll get you, uh, we'll start turning the page to uh, some of the campaign stuff that's out there yeah. that's it's pretty interesting that is absolutely going to impact uh, what happens in 2024 and beyond. So until then, for Martin, I'm Neil. Take care.